0: Listener production. A massive edition of Footy Talk coming your way today. Geordie Allen joins us in studio to give us an insight into her journey to the big time at the Pies. We chat Collingwood season, Steve Simons vacating the coaching position and preview two massive semi-final clashes coming our way this weekend. That's all coming up on the Footy Talk podcast. G'day guys and welcome back to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy with all the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. And what an episode we have coming your way. We are, of course, heading into the second week of W Finals. Brisbane and North will have the weekend off after booking their spot in the prelim, but two cracking games coming our way on Saturday and Sunday. But joining us in studio on this fine Thursday, Collingwood superstar, Geordie Allen. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Abby. No, We're pumped to have you in. We will get into some of the big news and uh, previews in the second segment, but... We're going to chat about you in this first segment. You're, of course, you know, a young superstar at the Pies. Um, I'm sure you would love to be playing finals this season, but it wasn't to be. How are you post-season and, um, yeah, how's the body feeling and the mind feeling after season eight? Body is actually good.
1: It's very good. I had a couple of injuries early on in my career, Mm -hmm. so to finish the season and be unscathed is um, a really, really good feeling. Um, Mentally, though, seeing, I think it took a little while for it to hit the fact that we weren't making finals. Yeah. I think it actually didn't really sink in until I saw the teams playing on the weekend. And I was just sitting there and we're actually like, we're just at a pub with a few of the girls. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I love being with my teammates, mm-hmm. but I'd much rather us be out on the football field where they are. So genuine envy for all of the teams that got to play on
0: the weekend. Do you always think as a group, you know, what if, like, what if we did that differently or what if that result felt differently or... Yeah, and particularly in this season, I think that was the
1: case because we lost, the games we lost were winnable. And, mm. I mean, you know, round 10 against Richmond was just a blowout, but we dropped to the Swans, we dropped to Saints. Um, and, like, early on in the season, we felt that they were very winnable winnable games as mm. well. We also lost to the... Um, to Gold Coast. Um, But it turns out that like three of those teams ended up making finals. So um, maybe our perception of those teams and their strength was maybe a little bit misguided. Maybe Mm -hmm. we just assumed that they would just roll over. You know, Swans were winless last year. So um, we probably had a little bit of a preconceived notion about how difficult it would be to face them.
0: Yeah. And let's get into your journey because everybody's got a very unique journey in the way that they hit the AFLW. How did you get into footy? What was it that you loved about it? And I guess who helped you along the journey to to eventually reach that AFLW level?
1: Uh, It started in the backyard with my brother um, and I've got two male cousins, Bailey and Lockie. And firstly I just wanted to be exactly like my brother. So he picked up a footy and I picked up a footy and we raced motocross when we were younger and I only did that because he did it. Like mum tried to get me into horse riding and I had no idea that he was racing motocross at the time and mum unsuccessfully tried to get me on a horse and I'd cracked it and she's like, all right, we'll go past the motorbike track. And I was like, you didn't tell me this is what Jackson was doing all of these years. So um, jumped, swung my leg over a motorbike and then... um, When, you know, the decision was made whether we continue with motocross, it was football in the end that um, prevailed. So played through my juniors um, at the Ride Junior Footy Club. Mm -hmm. Was really fortunate that in my final year um, with the boys where you have to age out, they actually created a girls team. So I didn't have to move away. And like there was girls who were travelling 34, 30 to 40 minutes up the road just to play footy. Yeah. Um, and I only, I had it in my backyard. I just played at the local club that I'd always had. Um, and then, yeah, went, went through all the talent pathways, played with Vic Metro and Vic Country, which is how that happened, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a long story.
1: <laughs> but, um, and then with the Stingrays, played all the way through until I got picked up by the Pies um, at the end of my senior year.
0: So you were never told that you couldn't play footy. What a dream.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's how privileged I am. I was probably part of that um, that pathway of girls who actually got to be in it from the beginning, yeah. like I turned, I was very lucky at the age that I turned when I did 13 and I could go straight into the Stingrays program and that was the first year of it. So mm. I really was that first wave of um, players, like you've got Nina Morrison, Maddie Press-Parkers, Tyler Hanks, players like that who followed the pathway all the way through Yeah, um, and yeah, we were the first ones to do so.
0: Well, you just touched on it, but Dandy Stingrays Youth Academy, Vice Captain Vic Metro, uh, 2016 AFL Youth Girls National Champion ships. You played on the MCG as a youngster. And then, of course, you know, you've come through the entire pathway. But what is it like, you know, because growing up, you would have watched football, no doubt, and only ever seen the men. But to be a part of that wave of athletes, as you just mentioned, you know, you rattled off a few names, but you're part of that first, I guess, brigade that have come through from Auskick really all the way through to the elite level. It must be pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's nice to sit back and reflect. Like I do actually get a chance um, to look back. I go home, back to my childhood home, and um, I used to have all of my jerseys up in my room. So every mm. single year that I'd make a team, I'd put the jersey up in my room and they're still up. So it's like a shrine. I walk back into my room, <laughs> it's like I'm being mourned. But it's actually really nice yeah. to walk back and reflect. And, you know, I had some fantastic experiences. I travelled the country as a teenager yeah. playing the game I loved. Um, and to be able to give that those experiences back to the younger girls is something that, yeah, I I really cherish. Who did you support growing up? St Kilda. St Kilda. Yeah. Who did you idolise, players-wise? I loved... Nick Del Santo, and I was flat when he went to North Melbourne. <laughs> I was really, really flat. Yeah. Um, and I actually, for some reason, I remembered oh, Fraser Gehrig when I was really little. Like, he, he retired when I was, you know, eight or nine. Um, but I remember loving Jude Bolton, and I'm not sure why. Yeah. Um, just a just we an in and under Jude. midfielder. So, um,
0: yeah, I, I just remember being obsessed with him. Oh, we love Bolts. He's a good friend of footy talk as well. But what about on the, the, the women's footy? I guess, journey, who are some of the players that before you hit AFLW might have looked at from the VFLW perspective or, or someone that you followed closely and then in turn, once you were drafted, who who's really kind of, I guess, helped your development along the way? Well, we had some fantastic mentors at the
1: academy. So I had um, Renee Forth, who was a... Um, uh, you, you would have played yep, there, premiership yep. player yeah um, she she was actually a mentor of ours we were in the houses at the, um, the, the Hogwarts houses at the academy and she was a leader of Hufflepuff and I got put in hufflepuff so <laughs> um, so Forthi was someone who I really looked up to and I got along really well with her uh, we had Aaron Phillips in the academy mm-hmm. we had turbo Bowers um, Ahmed Saad came in and was he was the leader of slytherin which checked out that made a lot of sense um (laughs) so like in terms of those mentors that I had I was it was really special to be able to have people who are in the system um and learning from them directly um I actually said, because St Kilda obviously didn't have a Mm licence, an AFLW licence, when I was, um, you know, 16, 17, I aligned myself with Carlton. So I loved Darcy Vessier, I loved um, Lauren Arnell. Just, like, I I would remember going to Icon Park and just loving those games. So I'd probably say, and, of course, Daisy. Like, Daisy was around and Lauren Arnell was a coach of mine um, through juniors as well. So um, really fortunate to have so many fantastic women who are now... I'm now one of those people who um, I'm, I'm sure that the younger girls will look up to, so totally. I try and give myself back to them knowing how much of an impact those
0: players had on me. You went to the first game, didn't you? The lockout? Yes. Was that just like a light bulb moment of being like, nah, this is it. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do and this is where I'm going to be? Yes, absolutely. And I think we were like literally one of the
1: last people that got shoved into Icon Park before oh. they closed the gates. And <laughs> so we were it. just in standing room. We found ourselves ironically next to the, um, the Collingwood box Mm -hmm. where the, um, the interchange bench. And I remember like watching the ball go up and I was just like looking around the stadium, um, and just like the noise and just how passionate everyone was. Um, like I was just beaming, like I think I was driving home and like my face was sore from smiling. I went my best mate, my dad, and we just could not stop talking about it. And, you know, we'd already got the fixture up. How many games can we get to over the next six rounds? It was, yeah, a pretty special thing to be a part of. Draft day for you. What are your memories of that? Draft day was possibly one of the biggest days of my life because I also graduated. It was my muck-up day, walkout day of high school and I live on the peninsula. So um, literally went to like our year 12 final assembly that morning. Yeah. I got called out early to leave so that I could get up to Marvel Stadium for the, um, for the draft. the and, like, Dad's pedantic, so we got there an hour early anyway. So the Dad was, like, I was sitting at the front of the stadium um, at school and he was, like, tapping his watch, like, George, we got to go. Come on, <laughs> like, we got places to be. Um, and, yeah, I just remember sitting sitting there and I've never been so nervous. Like, my, my hands were sweaty and it was just a real unknown. Like, you, you kind of, you've spoken to clubs before the draft and there's people in the room who you recognise, list managers and coaches and... Yeah ex-teammates and stuff like that. And um, it was kind of like the last moment that all of the people that you'd grown up playing football with... Like it, it, was, it was a graduation of a sense in, yeah. in, in both senses of the word. Um, and my name got pulled, called out, at pick number five, and Astro O'Connor, who was the um, head of the Women's Academy yeah. at the time, was just to the right of stage. Um, and there's this beautiful video that I always go back to and she's she's not known for giving hugs. She's not the most affectionate yes. person. And she's just wrapped me up in the biggest hug ever. I was bawling my eyes out. I had to go up on stage and hold my jersey and I was sobbing and um, like walked backstage and all of like Mads Press Barkas and Nina Morrison and, were already there Um, so I kind of looked at them and I was like these are people that I've played my whole junior like Mm. pathway with Um, so that was so special and then you know all of the the media and the that that um, carry on afterwards was it felt nice it was like wow this is this is this is different, like yeah. I haven't really had this much attention before um, and then actually left the draft, had lunch, went back to the club, had the tour and then went back to my Year 12 oh my graduation <laughs> party where everyone was just absolutely lit and, like, I've walked into the Collingwood theme song being played and oh, what best a day. day of my life,
0: what a day. What a day. Yep. And even with your dad, like how special to share that with him. I'm sure he's been a massive influence on you with, with your footy as well but as you said, he's your best mate. Um how cool was it to just share that moment with him
1: as well? Well, I've only seen him cry. Oh. So when I when I got drafted, he cried, and then when I won the Best and fairest last year, he cried. So, um, yeah, and I get emotional thinking about it. Like yeah. he just is the biggest support of my brother and I, and he's always said, um, like when we're trying to make motocross work and footy work. He, I remember him just literally sitting down, sitting us down, and saying like. What do you want to do? Like we'll make it happen. So, um, so fortunate, and mum as well. Like and and nan. I don't know if the, there's a there's a bit of nan going around on the internet at the moment. She yeah. was at my fiftieth game, and um, so fortunate for the support that I have. Um, I really couldn't have grown up in a better family. Are
0: they full blown Collingwood supporters now? Yes. Is, okay. Yes. Men's as well. Uh, yes, I think. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just yeah say I, Yes, because they won so. the flag. this Yes, year, of so course. You be happy with that. <laughs> uh, debut game. Yes. Memories from that.
1: Yep, played in Geelong, uh, GMHBA Stadium. Um, Britt Benici presented me my jumper, which was really special. Yep. She was someone, she was one of the first people when I walked into Icon Park as a 13-year-old and I was trying out for the Vic Metro team. Um, she was one of the, she was li- quite literally the first person I bumped into. Um, so to get drafted to the club that she played at, mm-hmm. um, someone who I really look up to, it meant a lot for her to present a j- my jersey to me. Um, and then, yeah, I had my family in the rooms with me. Um, they they got shooed off and I, I don't remember much of the actual game. Like I, I watched the game back and, you know, I get a touch here and there and I don't actually remember it, but I vividly remember my first kick and it was ironically to Brit on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this one moment I've, Geelong have gotten out the back of us and playing as a defender I've had to chase and it's probably the only chase down tackle I've ever done in my career but it was holding the ball and the whole crowd's gone up and I remember after the game my cousin said to me he said George it was so funny the the whole crowd has gone up and then when they've gone quiet your mum stood up and said that's my daughter and the whole crowd's gone up again so it was those stories are really nice I've got some fantastic memories of my first game proud
0: parents I love that yes I love that so much Um, from your debut game through to 50 games this year in season eight Um, it's so great isn't it to see these milestones being hit you know we've had some 75 gamers this year as well but to know that over the years to come like we're going to have 100 gamers we're going to have 150 gamers 200 gamers it's you look at the men's game for what it is today and that's 150 years of history so to think that we're eight seasons in of the AFLW and, and we're starting to hit these milestones that must be pretty cool I
1: look at um, people who are like you're obviously older than me. I look at people who are older than me, and I think they're senior in experience. Yeah. But I've no. got I've got over forty games on you, yeah, so totally. it's um, and that was something I had to get my head around even within our four walls that I was the seventh player on our list to mm. make fifty games for the club. Yeah, that's um, crazy, which is bizarre. So um, yeah, it's and it's really nice to see that players like Ali Anderson and mm. Ed Marinoff uh, getting to seventy five games because. What Ebb's only twenty four, twenty five. Yeah, it's, it is mad. So young. So she she'll be one of the first people to one hundred and fifty. Yeah. Um, and hopefully by the back end of our careers, we start seeing people notch up. You know, we won't get to Scott Pendlebury for no. for a couple of years, but um, you know, two hundred plus games would be a significant
0: milestone in AFLW, and I can't wait. I wish the AFLW was around. Uh earlier yes and then my body my body would have been able to to withstand (laughs) the pressures but we need to get to a break stay with us there's more to come on the other side if you are listening to footy talk on spotify you know what to do hit the bell Welcome back. You are listening to Footy Talk and we have Geordie Allen in studio with us today. Geordie, season eight, it has been a cracker. Um, Each and every year, every season, it just gets bigger, better, faster, stronger. The athletes themselves take it to another level. Um, Pies aside, how have you seen, I guess, season eight roll out? It's been an exponential
1: growth, hasn't it? So even from last year, it's been the the standard, like I spoke briefly about the Swans before, like you can't just write these teams off anymore. And um, I think in the past, teams would get away with playing three quarters of footy, but the depth of the competition now, you you can't rest on your laurels and, mm. you know, let, let one quarter slip by because teams are now capitalising on it, which I think speaks to the strength of the competition and it's only going to grow.
0: Some big news coming out over the last week or so, a couple of head coaches stepping down, Nathan Burke, of course, from the Western Bulldogs, but your coach in Steve Simons, Talk us through how the playing group, I guess, were notified or found out and um, I guess your opinions on all of this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So Steve um, let us know that it was a mutual decision between him and the club and um, he'd, he'd been moving on from from the football club and, uh, yeah, was really devastated to see him go. In, in my first season with Wooden Spooners, and we won one game and the very next season he came in and took us to finals and um, bar this season we'd gone to four consecutive finals yeah. campaigns, which I think speaks to his um, calibre as a coach. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, I think it's time for a, a new... A new look. At, it's not so much of a rebuild, but a fresh face. And yeah, with, without understating the um, impact that he's had on the, on the group mm-hmm. and where he's taken us, um, I, I, I do think it's the right decision to get someone else in to um,
0: hopefully take us that very next level. Your teammate Ruby Schleiger has spoken on the Tagged podcast about why it was time for Steve Simons to depart the club it was time
2: for him and he felt that because he's been away from his family for so yeah. long. His family are in, in South Australia, um, his wife Trudy and their two kids and so that's so hard. I didn't realise he was doing that. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. crazy. So, like, how difficult is that? And, I mean, yeah, um, yeah it's really hard and obviously you've got the support network mm. of the club. I mean, if I think, like, you know, I'm away from my family and I'm so lucky that I've got the connection of, like the playing group they're like my sisters and I guess like as coaches like you lean on the club as well but you probably don't get to lean on it as much as a player Mm. does because a player you get to complete you've got 30 sisters that you can be your complete selves around and you can be away from the workplace in in that as well you know it's like a a sisterhood that you're not just you're not just teammates you're best friends away from football um and it'd be hard to have that as a coach as well. So it was, you know, we were his support network, but we were also his work.
0: So you can imagine how hard that would have been. She said it beautifully, didn't it? It's quite remarkable the situation that Steve has been in with his family back home in South Australia and him, you know, wholeheartedly committed to the Collingwood Footy Club. Yeah, it it is quite remarkable, isn't it?
1: It is. And I think of um, like, even as in my role as an athlete, like, I still need life balance, but he is purely over here with the role of being a head coach. He doesn't go home to his family. Like, Mm. he – and, like, as for social networks, he's probably only got the people that he's met at the football club. So – I I just really commend him for the life balance that he had to try and find Um, and, yeah, I think it was due time that he went back and spent some time with his family. Well,
0: no doubt the club is working hard behind the scenes to see who his successor might be. Are there any little murmurs of anybody that might be stepping into that role? I have
1: absolutely no (laughs) idea and I speak to you truthfully. I have not heard a single whisper.
0: Okay. Okay. Watch this space, hey! Watch this space. Hey, let's preview a couple of massive games coming our way this weekend. The first one, Adelaide taking on the Sydney Swans at Norwood Oval. Sydney were bloody impressive against the Suns on Saturday night, but Adelaide at home is always a tough task.
1: Yes, and especially Norwood Oval, the dimensions oh, of it—it's no so wings. skinny. It's a mm-hmm. running track. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the shape of it. So, um, and it like Adelaide do play it very well. So, but I think of all teams that are probably going to be able to take it to them there, obviously, other than Brisbane, who did get the win there yeah. last weekend. It's probably the Swans. They like to use a corridor. So mm. it's the fact that there's no boundary probably isn't going to affect them that much. So um, I'm expecting an absolute ripper contest. As we know, the Swans have exceeded expectations yeah. by far. Um, and I think the, a strength of that playing group is that they don't go into any game complacent because
0: they're they're the underdogs and that's a really powerful position to be in. Another strength of their playing group is Chloe Malloy, somebody that you know very well, yes. um, obviously played alongside at Collingwood. It's been unbelievable to watch her pick up her life, move to New South Wales, slot straight into this Sydney Swans environment, co-captain, of course, with McAvoy. Whilst you would love to be playing with her, you must be pretty proud of what she's been able to do with the move north. Yeah,
1: she looks reinvigorated and um, obviously I was was privy to the struggles that she had with her body at the back end of her tenure with the pies and um, her back was giving her grief and I think that probably – contributed to her decision to look elsewhere and um, just to see it pay off for her is I'm so proud of her and to mm. um, like I'm envious I was, I was watching her at the pub on the weekend and I was like <laughs> oh can we just trade spots like I'd love to be playing football right now but um, can't under, underestimate how tough it must be um, she's a she's a family woman so mm. uh, moving away from her family and um, picking everything up and starting a new, um, in Sydney, the, the big smoke. So good on her. Um, proud of her and her leadership and uh, from what I've heard her leadership has grown in leaps and bounds so um, the fact that she's been able to go over there and have such a significant impact on the playing group Mm. um, and work so closely with Scotty Gowans who she's worked with in the
0: past um, yeah they're building something special at Sydney. The Swans will be without Beck Privatelli unfortunately she's been ruled out after scans revealed a Lisfranc injury Um, that's a big out. McAvoy went forward though a few times and kicked a few snags which is good but from Adelaide's perspective They've always been competitive. They've always been up there. What is it that makes that group so good? The Adelaide group, what makes them so good? They are just so Mm
1: well-rounded. And I think, um, like, you just look at the program that they've got. Anyone – sorry, not anyone, but, like, they've got people in their program who – are playing to their strengths and like you've got Danielle Ponta who can play here, there and everywhere and you put her in the middle and she kicks a goal from the centre at Icon Park. (laughs) Like she's just an absolute enigma. So um, I think it's the fact that they are such a system-based team which holds them in such good stead when they come up against different teams week in, week out and Mm. they are so clear on their process and I think they are probably the most disciplined team and probably Brisbane's close behind, hence why they've been up there, mm. the both teams, for so long. So um, I, th- I think it's the process that also reflects the strengths of players. You've got Chelsea Randall down the back line, who's the most versatile player in the competition. Yeah. So um, they've got
0: strengths all over the ground. Well, that is the first semi. Crows taking on the Swans, Norwood Oval, 7.15pm local time, 745 Eastern time. Let's move on to the second semi. Melbourne versus Geelong at Icon Park, 305 bounce on Sunday, were you surprised with what happened on the weekend with North Melbourne's 41 point win against Melbourne? Yes. Yeah. I, I was. Yeah. I incredibly. was at the game working it and, um, time came around and I, I, they were in a bloody good position, no doubt about it. But my question was them being able to maintain that across four quarters, and they did it. Yes, they were and incredible. That was a question I had of this the North
1: Melbourne group as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in, in other areas, I've been a little bit critical of the North Melbourne team. I wasn't sure whether they had the resilience or um, the the composure to work their way through when teams challenged them. But they came out and they were so hungry from the get go. Mm-hmm. They looked like they wanted it so much more than Melbourne did, and the fact that they were. Able able to maintain that from for four quarters I think yes they're they're front runners I think if they if they get a sniff early they're very dangerous um so I reckon it might have been a different story if Melbourne was able to kind of weather the tide for a little bit and maybe just get a score early yeah. um and obviously that would bring Melbourne into the game as well but um yeah
0: they are so potent when they get things right at North. Have Brisbane and North Melbourne though now shown the blueprint of how to beat Melbourne, um, because it's that pressure around the ball, isn't it? When they can't get that quick handball game going, that's when sides have been able to get on top.
1: Yeah, and it's it's hard to think that um, Melbourne's midfield would be being handed to, especially mm-hmm. when you've got Paxi and so Hanksy, and you've yep. got you've got all of those really elite midfielders in there. But um, yeah, I, I reckon that, that they're a resilient group. I do think Melbourne will get back together and. Um, you know they're under great leadership over there under Mixtenier, so mm-hmm. um, I have no doubt that they will. That the the pieces. At, I saw a comment and it said yeah, we haven't seen the Melbourne team since halftime of the Brisbane game, and yeah. I, I tend to agree. So I, I'm not sure whether
0: that'll carry on to this game. So um, and that yeah, the Cats are looking mighty fine as well. Who are you expecting to win these games? Give us your tips, and then we're just going to ask you as well your tip for the grand final of season eight.
1: I. Even though I've just pumped up Melbourne, I'm on the Cats' bandwagon. I would love to see the Cats get over them. Um, An upset, a different face in finals. Um, They got their first finals win last week, and I'd love to see them keep the momentum going. Um, I do think Adelaide are going to win, although Swans are going to give them a really good run.
0: Yeah, grand final prediction.
1: Grand final. So who who does that put there? I reckon Brisbane are going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to say Brisbane Cats because I said I'm going to be on the Brisbane oh, hey. bandwagon. Um, that would be great. Brisbane Cats and I reckon Brizzy will get it done. Love um, that from you. Much to my dismay, but yep. I think they've been the best team this year and I think they want it more than anyone else.
0: Oh, watch this space. I cannot wait. Still three quality weeks of AFLW Season 8 action coming our way. But, Jordi Allen, thank you so much. I feel like I could sit here and talk to you for hours, but unfortunately we've got to wrap it up. That's all right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Maybe another time. Yeah, if you have a question for us, hit us up on Instagram at footy talk underscore pod or TikTok at footytalkpod. If you're listening on Apple, be sure to leave us a review. We will speak to you next time. listener.